0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okie dokie. It's Thursday morning. We got Fantasy NBA Today on tap for you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I. I'm excited. I'm excited because yesterday is over. That was a weird day, was it not? Holy mackerel. What a day. I'm Dan Baspris. Um, This will be a fairly standard show. It's Thursday. We've got a big Wednesday to recap. We've got a couple of interesting names on that board to talk about. Shorter Thursday cards. That should speed up the second chunk of our show today. And then, of course, tomorrow... We will have our second real end of the week Friday show. It seems like you guys really enjoyed the format we did last time around with ads, holds, drops, watch list guys, potential buy lows, sell highs that run the gamut from basically everything that happened Monday through tonight. That's what we'll cover on tomorrow's show and then get you ready with a plan for the weekend. In terms of NBA news, and we'll launch right into that here at the front end of the podcast, uh, Colin Sexton turned an ankle in uh, yesterday's game. That is a very small piece of news. The NBA reported four positive COVID tests, also a relatively small piece of news. The big one, of course, Markel Fultz, and we'll dive into that a little bit more when we get to that ball game. As we're recapping the stuff from yesterday, uh, I have thoughts on it and uh, don't worry those are uh, right around the corner as well. So other stuff yesterday, I think we can also kind of peel out. I try to I try to eliminate the what happened last night in the news part of the show. That's really for stuff that is independent of things that we'll cover in the individual games. So, uh hopefully you guys can are are okay with that cuz that's how we're going to do it right now. My name is Dan Bespris. I think I said that before. You can follow me on Twitter. It's a very busy social media world right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. It's just at my name, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Google search Dan from HoopBall if you don't want to have to figure out how to spell my last name, and for that I wouldn't blame you. Also, follow HoopBall Fantasy. That is the HoopBall NBA news feed. It is absolutely, positively your most important follow. More than me. It should, you, they, they should have more followers than I do. It, it's not the way that, that it is right now, but it should be. That's got all the stuff that happens throughout the day. I miss stuff because I'm just one man. Hoopball Fantasy is a team that watches the news all day to make sure that nothing is missed across the NBA landscape and then what that means from a fantasy standpoint. So follow Hoopball Fantasy. follow me, at Dan Vespers, and continue to hit me up, by the way. I know this week we've been putting out the DFS recruiting call. If you play DFS and you want to make the leap to analyst, holler at me, at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We are filling a spot. Looking to expand that DFS division. Contributor gig open. That's what that's about right now. Contributor level spot, but it's a great way to break in. And if you think you can make the leap, send word my way. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. It was a big one. 11 game Wednesday started off with Houston at Indiana. Won a bet on that ball game, so I feel pretty good about talking about it. Uh, Houston was better than expected. Honestly, they shot 48%. They had 16 turnovers, which really was the ball game christian wood was a late scratch uh don't care about that probably would have gotten a better line on the game if i had been able to wait until that news broke but how could you how could you know because that kind of came out of nowhere from a fantasy standpoint indiana is very easy to handicap justin holiday is your long stream while tj warren and or jeremy lamb are out he had 20 points on nine shots brilliant efficiency yesterday from Justin holiday, three threes, five boards, a steel six out of nine shooting five for five at the free throw line. One of the best lines of the night in a 32 minute performance. I do love me some Justin holiday. I got asked, uh, this has been, okay. So I know, uh, I've had a couple of negative podcast reviews over the years. I don't like Dan never talks about his misses. I do talk about my misses. Um, Here's the thing, though, and and this is going to come out very dickish, but we hit more than we miss. We have to, or this podcast wouldn't get listened to, right? Nobody wants to listen to a a fantasy analyst who gets it wrong all the time. Justin Holiday was a was a got right, because everybody was asking if it was going to be Aaron Holiday, and I said no, go Justin. Aaron Holiday, by the way, could not throw a stone in the ocean right now, so maybe he does get a little bit better. He's playing some minutes. And uh, Doug McDermott, McDermott, excuse me, hurt his ankle in this ball game, so that actually means even more opportunity for the holidays. But Justin's the safe one, you know. He hits the threes, he gets the steals, he's super efficient. There's just nothing, there's nothing to worry about there. But regardless, that's not even the story. Indiana's pretty easy to handicap. Houston is the interesting side of this game because Christian Wood, being a late scratch, opened up starting center minutes for Boogie Cousins. Boogie played 23 and a half minutes, had nine points, not great. 14 rebounds, quite great. Two steals and four blocks, very great. Four for six at the free throw line after missing two of his first three, so he got uh, a little bit better from that point. It, uh, two of his next three? No, that's not right. Three of his next three. Did I get that? No. Whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, went one for three and then three for three. Uh, good, good math, Dan. Just two for nine shooting, though, because the dude hasn't really played meaningful NBA minutes in almost two years. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday, even going into the game. I wanted to know what was the plan? What was the trend line for Boogie? And this gave us a lot of information because, yes, with Wood out, that really opened things up. But this is how far they're willing to push him right now. So what that tells us is that from a conditioning standpoint, Boogie isn't close. Because if he was fully conditioned and got this spot start, they probably, he wasn't in foul trouble, they probably would have run him out there for 27, 28, 29, 30 minutes, potentially. The other starters in this game, John Wall played 37, Harden 39, David Nwaba 37. By the way, David Nwaba, playing a lot of minutes, even with James Harden and Eric Gordon, both there, and P.J. Tucker, but no Daniel House, by the way. So there's your explanation on that one. David Nwaba, much as we want him to be a thing, he's probably never going to be a thing. P.J. Tucker fouled out. I'm not super worried about him. Eric Gordon had 20 points and somehow two blocks in this game, but we know what ends up happening to Eric Gordon, and the the story there has been written and sealed in the tomes. This is a Boogie Cousins analysis. I am actually excited by the fact that he only played 23 and a half minutes because it means... That they're still slowly revving him into NBA game shape. This is a guy that they signed with the intention of playing him a bit. I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think that as the season goes on, you'll see some Boogie and Wood side-by-side lineups. Because they can both space the floor. They're big, but they, they can play away from the bucket on the offensive side. And Wood is quick enough laterally to stick with a lot of power forwards in the NBA. Boogie's not. Not even close. But put that big dude down by the rim, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. But, he, I mean, he's not finishing right now. And that'll that'll come as he gets his timing back. So if you have Boogie, you got to squat on him. His minutes will go back down, I would assume, in the next ballgame as they again slowly bring him along. But I thought this was a pretty good sign. Nice line. And then more than anything, we saw that he's... Slowly increasing minutes, even with a larger opportunity like he had in this ball game, Cleveland can't score right now they need they need someone else besides Colin Sexton. Andre Drummond was a little bit better in this ball game, but still struggled with five turnovers and missed some free throws. He's just I don't know man, Colin Sexton's been very good this year, that's been nice. And then otherwise, this game was pretty ugly for him. Larry Nance didn't get his all-around stuff. He went one for six at the free throw line. Hell, if he makes his free throws, they cover. He lost by 11. If he makes five more free throws, they cover this ballgame. Ugh. Ugh. Shot 69% of the foul line in the ballgame. And shot uh, 42% from the field. But who cares? I mean, you're, still, you're sitting on Larry Nance. He's been good to this point. And uh, Drummond, obviously, you're not he's not droppable. But that's not really the story. On the other side, Terrence Ross had foul issues, but still put up 20 points on nine shots. He's been a revelation this year. And Markel Fultz is the big story. Markel Fultz tore his ACL, uh, and he's out for the season, which leaves us uh, a, a platter here to try to sift through. Now, the... The first crack at the minutes is almost definitely going to go to Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony played 32 minutes last night because Fultz got hurt in the first four minutes of the game. So we got a pretty good look at what the Magic are going to be running with no Markel for the year. By the way, I think the Cavs win this game if Fultz doesn't get hurt. It became an emotional game for Orlando. And then they played better from about three or four minutes after the injury. They were down, I think, 27-17 And then ended up going up by, like, 17 or 18 points at some point in the game. It was a massive turnaround when they got the juices going. Cole Anthony had 8 points, 4 boards, 3 assists, and a block in his 32 minutes. Yes, he only shot 4 for 12, which could get better in a future ballgame. He he could shoot, you know, he could go 5 for 12 or 6 for 12 from time to time. But I'm just not super excited about it. I'm not super excited about it because I think that what you're going to get from this Magic team is a whole lot of kind of point Vooch and point Gordon. Not in the fact that they'll bring the ball into the front court. That'll probably still be a lot of Cole Anthony doing that job. But the offense will likely run through the bigger men. We saw Aaron Gordon. Remember late last year, he was posting five, six, seven assists a ball game, and Vooch had six in this ball game. That, I think, will become the norm. They're going to have some trouble, though. They are going to have some trouble because they lost a lot of their playmaking and athleticism with this, and it you know it didn't get exposed because the Cavs are not very good, but it will. Do we pick up Cole Anthony? The answer is probably yes, probably yes, because you got to see how it goes. Starting point guards in the NBA don't grow on trees. Michael Carter Williams seemingly is still far enough away where he's not going to cut into this super quick what's the latest he has a bone bruise and a sprained ligament so that's probably at least a few weeks i would assume so you know the, at that point you probably do see a lot of michael carter williams actually Un- unfortunately from a fantasy perspective he's a uh, complete and total disaster M- mcw hasn't been a fantasy asset in at least half a decade one could even argue longer than that uh He's a point guard who can't shoot the three, can't really shoot the two, can't shoot free throws, can rebound and assist and steal and block, but also turns it over and doesn't score very much. That's a that's a tough sell. You know, It'd be bad in like four out of the nine categories and serviceable in a couple. So no, I'm not really all that excited about squatting on him. As a point of reference, by the way, uh, Michael Carter-Williams played 31 minutes in their... Uh, their win over the, or their loss, I guess we should say, what was that two games back? Two games back on January 2nd, five days ago. He played 31 minutes, had nine rebounds, four points, and one assist. He went 0 for 4 from three, so at least he took them, but it's, it's a big uphill climb. So I don't know that either of the point guards that will eventually see minutes this year for the Magic are all that good fantasy-wise. Anthony has a better fantasy game, so you pick him up if you've got a spot. I don't think this is one of those pickups where you're going to be like, this won me my year. I doubt that. Washington and Philadelphia combined for 277 points. Bradley Beal had 60 of them by himself. Wow. In a losing effort. Russell Westbrook dislocated a finger in this ball game. He thinks he's going to try to play through it. We'll see how that goes. He actually, uh, aside from the free throws situation and the turnovers, was not horrible. But what did they really need out of him in this ballgame? Davis, Bertans had 33 minutes under his belt, so he's all revved up now. Conditioning is there. He had 17 points, four threes, and a couple of steals, so he's rumbling. But this was the Beal story on the Washington side. Uh, You know, outside of those main four, Beal, Westbrook, Bertans, Bryant, no one else is going to get over the hump. For the Sixers, Seth Curry, we just got word, is questionable for their next ballgame, which is a shame because he has been white-hot 28 points on 14 shots in this ballgame. Danny Green has actually clawed his way back to uh, near-12 category stuff. He's number 110. Can you believe that? On eight points a game. Two threes, one and a half steals, half a block. That'll get you near there. He's been pretty good, actually, over the last week. Uh, I think he's hit three threes in three consecutive ballgames, which puts him just inside the top 100 over that stretch. Are we buying... Probably not. his minutes still are not that high. This was his biggest minute total of the year at 30, but I need to see I need to see this consistently before I even put him on the semi-radar. Tobias Harris played 41 minutes in this game. durable ass dude. 19.7 boards three assists, three, threes. Uh, decent ball game missed two free throws that changed actually who covered this ball game at the end. Betters were livid. With old man Tobias. But nothing there fantasy-wise. Charlotte beat Atlanta. What the hell's going on with the Hawks right now? Trey Young, 7 points, 3 assists. This is one of his worst games of his career. 7 turnovers. Brutal. One of the worst lines of the entire night in fantasy. But obviously he'll bounce back. There's no such thing as a buy low window with Trey Young. Even after a couple of bad games, it doesn't change the valuation. Even though his rank fell precipitously after this one. But he'll get it figured out. He will. Clint Capella, 7 points, 19 rebounds, and he's not even all there yet. His body, is conditioning, all that stuff is kind of coming around. He's playing the minutes, but, you know, his, his field goal percent is going to be better than this, than what we've seen so far. He's at 57%. That probably goes up. 33% free throw shooting, that'll go up. 1.2 blocks, that'll probably go up. He's got a lot of things that are just kind of getting started. That's relatively exciting dude there. A couple of Hawks actually sort of slipped through unscathed amazingly in the 94-point game. It was really just Trey that was awful. And then the other usual suspects were pretty good. DeAndre Hunter was good. John Collins was pretty good. Capella was pretty good. Kevin Herter had a nice game, nineteen five and 6. He's been uh, better than expected so far this year, number 87. But there are it's, – it's not super sustainable – not that the percentages are offering. They have 45% from the field, 86% the free throw line. Like, all that stuff is doable, but just opportunity. It's just not going to be there all year for this dude. Bogdan Bogdanovich, when he gets hot, that'll hurt, hurt Herter. Gallo comes back, that pushes everybody down a slot. So then Hunter hurts hurt Herter. And Rondo's still out. Chris Dunn, we don't even know what the hell his status is for this year. So the guys are just going to get squeezed as this team gets healthy. Other side, Gordon Hayward. I think that's his first career 40-point game, if I remember reading that right. P.J. Washington stuck it right in my eye. See, I don't talk about getting it wrong. I told you guys, drop him. And then he comes out, and he has his best game of the year. Classic P.J. Washington. Although, I will say that despite this excellent five defensive stat, near double-double, four-assist performance, he's still outside the top 150 on the year. So I don't feel all that bad about it. He got going. Good for him. Picked up a win. Charlotte beat a team while scoring 102 points. Somehow they won while shooting 38% in this ball game. Lamelo Ball, he's coming along faster than expected. Played 24 minutes at 16, 8, and 5. Um, yeah, he's he's been solid so far. Not not this, nothing spectacular, but looks good. Terry Rozier good in his role. Devontae Graham still couldn't hit a shot to save his life, but uh, that's you know this is a line that somehow is above the cut line. What worked out nicely in this game is that Charlotte was able to use P.J. Washington at center a little bit more when the Hawks didn't have Clint Capella on the floor. You know, he could stick with a John Collins or Nate Knight center lineup, and so Bismack Biombo didn't get to play as much or didn't have to play as much, which that's, that's a good thing for Charlotte because Biambo is... Horrible. Utah opened up a 17-point lead and then lost by 12. The steamrolling Knicks. Tom Thibodeau playing his guys more minutes than anyone should play. Alfred Payton logged 42 regulation minutes in a regulation ball game. Mitchell Robinson 41 minutes in this game. There was no Nerland's Noel, so there wasn't really a backup center option other than the slide Randall over, but against the Jazz, that's not a great idea with Rudy Gobert on the floor. So... Mitchell Robinson, terrific game. Nine points, 13 boards, three steals, and three blocks. And I said it last week. I said, look, Mitchell Robinson at top 50 is actually undervalued right now because as the blocks come around, playing almost 30 minutes a game, he's going to trend up towards top 30. Well, he's already at the 40 mark. He's already at the 40 mark one week later. He's still a buy low, if you can believe that. He's at number 40 And he's a buy low, in my estimation. Alfred Payton, 22 points, two boards, eight assists. He remains an incredibly enigmatic fantasy player because he's outside the top 200 with averages of 15, 4, and 5. For some reason, his steals haven't been there this year. Field goal percent actually hasn't been that bad. It's the lack of steals and the fact that he's been only at five assists to this point that has held him back. He's obviously a must-own guy I have trouble starting him on a night-to-night basis because there are nights where he'll get you four turnovers and go one for five at the free-throw line, and it just it it's a, it makes you pull your hair out in Roto. Austin Rivers, 32 minutes off the bench. He scored 23 points. He's important for this team right now. With Alec Burks on the shelf for another week, they need his scoring. R.J. Barrett crashing back to earth. I think we all knew that was coming. And then Julius Randle. Uh, need usage? have usage. 41 usage rate for Julius Randle in this ball game. Good lord. Uh, He played 40 minutes too. Utah probably should have played their starters more, but it was a back-to-back, I guess. Donovan Mitchell has not been good this year, and I don't know how you guys suckered me into thinking he was going to be something different this year than he was in the past. He's obviously going to be better than he is right now, shooting 38% from the field and 77 at the free throw line, which I guess makes him a buy low, except does anybody even really notice that that's happening? He's at 21-4-5 and 5 with a steal, and that's about where he was last year in most of that stuff, but his percentages are way off. And he's just, there really isn't anything for him to do to step forward in his fantasy game. He is who he is at this point. He's a top 50 per game guy, maybe top 40 in a best-case scenario, who has been quite durable the last couple years, so Ken totals his way into the top 25 or top 30. He's one of those, he he falls into the consistently overdrafted category. Not as much as a guy like a Blake Griffin, but he's in there. Boyan Bogdanovich remains ice cold. He'll, he'll figure it out. Mike Conley, who's been actually decent, he had a cold shooting game also. Uh, Rudy Gobert survived the New York Knicks onslaught in this one somehow. But I don't know, like, I'm not picking up Austin Rivers unless you want him for a week, I, I still don't trust it. Because he really doesn't do much besides score. So if he's not shooting 64% in a ball game, he probably hurts you more than he helps. Boston beat Miami. Playoff revenge game. You knew they were coming in hot. Jalen Brown, uh, 21 points, 12 boards, 7 cash counters, 35% from the field. You knew that number was going to be leveling off pretty soon. Jason Tatum had a good ballgame. Time Lord, 14 minutes and a half, 14 and a half minutes with everybody, all the other big men healthy, and that's, of course, what we're generally concerned about with uh, his production. He's still solid enough, but, boy, it's tough to get it done in 15 minutes. And when I say tough, it's impossible to get it done in 15 minutes. Uh, Jumping over to the Miami side really quick before we stop and pause on on maybe, in my estimation, one of the biggest fantasy free agent stories of the night, Uh, Kelly O'Linick Got another start, but only played 21 minutes. He had a little bit of foul stuff, but mostly it just wasn't a great matchup for him. Uh, Still had 11 points, five boards, and three threes on an efficient shooting night. So he kind of salvaged it. But hopefully he gets another start in the next one, and you see the minutes trend back up a little bit from there. Duncan Robinson, a warmer performance. Bam, Jimmy, all that stuff. Normal normal fare there. The guy I really want to focus on in this ballgame is Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice played 28 minutes for the first time this year with all the other big men healthy. Jeff Teague was the only uh, notable player out for Boston in this ballgame. Time Lord was in. Tristan Thompson was healthy enough. He didn't play very much because I guess I didn't see – I didn't watch every minute of this game, but presumably he just wasn't a good fit for it. And they slid Tice over – to play, uh, basically starter center minutes, twenty-eight biggest total of the year so far for Daniel Tice. Twenty-eight minutes in this ball game. He is not owned very much. Actually, it's kind of weird. He's forty-one percent rostered, but uh, very few teams have him in the leagues I'm in. This is one of those reverse ones where public leagues have kind of held on to him for too long to start the year. He only played 14 minutes in the previous game against Toronto. That was a back-to-back, something to keep in mind. And he played 19 minutes in their other back-to-back game so far this year. And the 28 minutes yesterday make me wonder if more of this was conditioning than we previously thought. I admit, I thought... Listen, you remember last year, I was one of the biggest Daniel Tice proponents in fantasy sports. I, I had him set up on one of my teams as a possible keeper, and then when they... When the Celtics signed Tristan Thompson, I, I dumped him back into the free agent pool. But in, it, last year, towards the end of the season, when he was playing about 27, 28 minutes a game, he was hovering around the top 75. He was right there with, you know, that's like a late mid-round center. He was number 80 last year on the season in 24 minutes, averaging nine, six and a, uh, six and a half rebounds, about two defensive stats, and good percentages. So then we turn the page to this year, and he comes out and he's playing, you know, whatever it is, like he's at 22 minutes a game right now after the 28-minute performance, and he's 216th as the ranking. Uh, His field goal percent is fine, I guess. Free throw percent is way down, but he's not really attempting any. Rebounds are a bit down, which you could blame on minutes. Tristan Thompson, some combination of the two. But a lot of this stuff is sort of along his trend line, not that far off from the norm, and just a guy that, you know, when playing 21 minutes, 22 minutes a game, it wasn't going to be enough. Now, if he gets up to 28, he goes right back into being a fantasy asset because he's a nine-cat roto type of big man. Low turnovers, decent steals, pretty good blocks, good percentages, doesn't score much, rebounds a little, gets you, you know, two assists a game in starters, minutes, things like that. This is a guy you need to be watching closely. I don't know that you need to pick him up immediately. I don't know that other people in your league are going to be grabbing him lightning fast after a 13.5 rebound one block game, which is probably fortunate. He plays again tomorrow against Washington, and that'll be really interesting, actually, because Washington, high-scoring game. Is he the guy that slides over to play more center? Is he going to get 26 or more minutes again? In his last three non-back-to-back games, meaning the front half of a back-to-back or just not one at all, 24, 25, 28 the minutes per game. And if you look at exclusively his non-back-to-backs this year, you can go all the way back to the beginning of the season, it was 25, 23, 15, 23, 24, 25, 28. What's that trend line? Little bit up, not much, little bit. So I'm not going to get overexcited. It's quite possible this was just an aberration. Perhaps he was playing better. But this is a guy coming off of injuries in the offseason, surgeries, and maybe he's just finally getting his legs underneath him. So keep a close eye on Daniel Tice. In fact, I'm already calling tomorrow's Celtics-Wizards game homework. Because if he's logging 26 or more minutes, he's a nine-cat roto asset, and you got to scoop him up fast. Hell, if he plays 14 first half minutes in that game, I'd probably pick him up at halftime. Detroit got blown out by Milwaukee. We know, they just, like, you kind of let go of the rope a little bit. There was that wonder, when is Detroit going to finally have the game where they're just like, uh, oh, we're not. We're not going to do it. Derrick Rose got hurt, and maybe that was it. That was the point where they were like, screw it. We got nothing. We got nothing left in the tank. Jeremy Grant, you take as many shots as you want. And he did. 20 shots, 11 free throws for Jeremy Grant, who didn't have any defensive stats, but had 31 and 10. Sadiq Bey had 20 and 10. He got hot, took six three, hit six three-pointers. I don't know. Tough team to read when you're getting blown out. I don't know that I would make too many massive adjustments. DeLon Wright played 25 minutes, but he's just doing nothing with his time right now. Blake Griffin played 26 minutes, and he's also kind of doing nothing. I thought Blake Griffin might actually have a little bit of a bounce back year. Where the hell is he ranked right now? Can't be good after that ballgame. 127? All right, that's not horrible. He's just not engaged. 38% from the field, 14-4-4. Who is this guy? Who's this guy that doesn't want to be involved in any way? He's on a bad team. That's what happens to a player who's, I don't want to say accustomed to winning because he's had plenty of losing years recently, but this Detroit team isn't even really trying to win at this point. Mason Plumlee only played 16 minutes in the blowout loss, uh, had four fouls in them. No, you're not abandoning ship. Dude had no chance against Milwaukee. Uh, we saw that in the last matchup. They ran him right off the floor. Brooke Lopez was really good, though. He's starting to get it going. Four threes and two blocks, 17-4 and five. Bobby Portis in a blowout, he's, this is when he's going to put up his huge numbers, and he's actually pushed himself into 12-team categories now. He's number 66 in 23 off, minutes off the bench. That's wild. 12 points, 8 rebounds. He is working quickly in those bench minutes. He does not mess around when he gets into the ballgame. Yeah, I mean, I guess you pick him up. I don't know. I I, I find it hard to trust. But it does seem like they have a role for him on this team, and it seems like it's probably more in that 23-minute range. I don't know that he can keep up that rebounding rate not with the other guys on this Milwaukee team that also bored a little bit. And then, of course, this was a blowout. So, you know, this is going to be one of the, the better performances. But, yeah, he's looked good so far this year. Old Punchy McPortis. Oklahoma City beat New Orleans on the road. Nice revenge win for the Thunder. Shea waking up. 21-5-9. and Five steals. Two threes. Hello. Is this the beginning of the wake-up? I don't know, but he jumped from 135 to 95 in one ballgame. The buy-low window is probably gone. Mike Mascala had 18 points in 21 minutes. He's actually been decent so far this year, but you can't trust a reserve big man playing 20 minutes a game that doesn't get defensive stats. That is asking an awful lot from the suddenly great Mike Mascala. Yeah, no, he's a deep leaguer at very best. George Hill, 13-3-4, two steals, three threes. He bounced back nicely. Darius Basley, 20-12. and 12. Horford, 8-7 and seven with three blocks, two threes. Sort of the typical stuff. Lou Gaines, Dort, nine points and a three-pointer. Just no usage at all. And he's always going to be the scary one in that group because, uh, like with George Hill, even if the usage is low, he usually gets a few steals, a few assists, a couple threes. His efficiency is good. With Dort, the efficiency is not a proven thing at this point. I think you still have to hold because of the massive number of minutes he's playing, but also bearing in mind that we really don't know if his fantasy is going to translate. Is the stat set there? He's over. He's overshooting in field goal percent right now. Steals and blocks are not that high, and I don't know that they're coming up. He's such a great on-the-ball defender, but a lot of those guys are not the ones that put up big steals and blocks because they're not gambling. They're too good to gamble. The guys that gamble are the ones that are getting beat. Dort's like, I don't need to steal it from you. I'm just going to stop you like a wall. And if you throw it into my chest, I'll catch it. But I don't even need you to. I'm going to make you miss. New Orleans side, pretty typical stuff. JJ Reddick got hurt. Just meant a few extra minutes for Josh Hart, who once again went scoreless with 10 rebounds. That's the darndest thing. he's not a standard guy. He's not a standard leagues guy right now, but when you've got a shooting guard that can get you 10 boards in a game, that's really hard to drop unless you're way overstuffed on rebounds. What a cool asset. What what a neat little Swiss army knife to be able to plug into your lineup when you're like, oh, look, I'm trailing in rebounds in my roto league. Uh, I'm going to play my big man, and I'm going to play Josh Hart as my guard today so I can get... A guard with eight to 10 rebounds. Steven Adams triple doubled in this game. Can you believe that? 10, 11, and 10. Clunky triple double, but it counts, I guess. No fantasy news from this game. I don't always spend so much time on it because nothing really changed. Toronto Phoenix, uh, kind of a similar story, also. Nothing really changing here. Norman Powell is right on the edge. He is trying our patience, but he did play 26 minutes. That's trending in the right direction. So if the shots start falling, he did get some free throws in this game. He looked a little bit better. Chris Boucher, you're sticking with it, even though he only had nine points and played 15 minutes. You got to stick with it. They went small. Toronto ran Siakam at center. Pascal enjoyed it while missing a ton of free throws in the process. Phoenix side, Jay Crowder had his one hot one a week. Devin Booker, little by little, coming around. Chris Paul, same story. They're sort of just figuring each other out and winning along the way, which is kind of a nice uh, bonus for him. DeAndre Ayton needed a defensive stat in this game. That would have really brought it around, but good percentages, 16 rebounds. He's also kind of coming around. Phoenix is figuring it out. Chicago, Sacramento, Darren Fox left with a uh, with a tight hamstring in this ball game, and that... Forced Tyrese Halliburton into huge minutes, and he is now a brilliant fantasy asset. If Fox has to miss any time, he was already uh, belonged on teams. Looked, like, frankly, looks like the best rookie in the class so far. Halliburton does, and you know me and rookies, but he looks great. He just looks poised. He's not making rookie mistakes. He plays like old man style. Threes and steals and blocks and efficiency. Who the hell is this kid? Marvin Bagley had his revenge against the universe game, so uh, he he managed to stay on rosters a little bit longer. Rashawn Holmes tweaked an ankle late, stayed in the ball game at twenty four and eight. Boy, how, that, that kid is so good. Rashawn Holmes, so good. Buddy Hield is a bit of a buy low right now. We haven't talked about him very much. Maybe I'll put him on the list of guys to talk about. Uh, he is shooting very poorly. Is that the friendliest way we could have put it? He's number 152 while shooting 34% from the field. It cannot get worse for Buddy Heald. This is your moment. In fact, I need to write this down because after the podcast, I want to put out, I got to do some stuff on Twitter related to buys and buys and sells, and Buddy Heald is someone we've almost completely ignored, but he is a prime buy low. Chicago got 36 out of Kobe White, who's enjoying their road trip so far, but it wasn't enough Otto Porter was not there on the back-to-back set. He looked tired, which, you know, you figure he's playing his way into shape and he's he's getting there. Wendell Carter Jr., 11 and 17, managed to stay on rosters. He's he's not a drop. He never was a drop. He's just a late-round center. Just that's it. Just accept that that's what's happening. And and be okay with it. Garrett Temple played 33 minutes. Uh I I really do firmly believe that he and Thad Young are going to be the guys that really get hurt when Larry Marken comes back. But the Bulls look pretty good. They covered again. They're covering machines right now. And they will head to Los Angeles for a couple of tough ones coming up. Clippers, oh, by the way, no ads or drops on the, uh, on the Bulls side. Clippers got a back-to-back game out of Kawhi Leonard. First in four years. That is crazy. Three years. Whatever. Doesn't matter. And he was fine. He looked pretty good. He had seven turnovers, but otherwise things were good. 21-4-4, stealing a block. Good shooting. Clippers went 25 for 25 at the free throw line, or they might have lost this game. Paul George came back from his ankle thing, played 38 minutes, so I guess he's all right. Serge Ibaka has won the center battle, so you can go ahead and punt on Ivica Zubots. That one is done. Lou Williams is useless. I wonder if they try to move him, because he has no role on this team right now. He's getting outplayed by Pat Beverly and Luke Kennard on a nightly basis. And Lou Williams, who shouldn't have been drafted anyway, but if you did and you've been hanging on him for whatever cockamamie reason you can you can punt him to the curb he's useless this year um i believe is he outside the top 200 still i think he is where are you at lou yeah 237 he's been awful he's been awful and it's just it's usage he's not getting to do anything he's playing 20 minutes minutes are not high enough and he's not doing anything with them he doesn't have his pick and roll running mate anymore didn't think it was going to be that extreme but here we are Warriors side, Steph Curry got hurt, uh, turned an ankle late. I'm betting he'll try to play through it. Kelly Oubre went back to being cold after a brief stretch of warmth. And the Warriors just, offensively, this was a a hideous game. Andrew Wiggins kind of survived in a game like this. That's what you're looking for out of your guys. So uh, big, big stories from yesterday. Daniel Tice, 28 minutes. Markel Fultz, uh, torn ACL. Buddy healed massive buy low opportunity. Mitchell Robinson still trending up, and that's probably your highlights of it. Folks, if you're enjoying all the stuff that we do at HoopBall and you want to get involved in the Discord chat, please do check out any of our premium subscriptions over at hoop-ball.com. The Fantasy Pass, just $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. The DFS Pass, just $1.99 a month. The Wager Pass, $9.99 a month. Or hoop Ball 360, it's got them all rolled into one. That's $12.99 a month. All of them include Discord access to part of or all of the channels available. You can get access to the experts, the wagering experts. Dude, Devin went 5-0 for 10 units yesterday. Clean sweep clean sweep of his college and NBA plays. Uh, He's now up 11 units on the season in college basketball. He's up a couple units in the NBA. Uh, I went 4-2 yesterday, so I'm now up Troy. Troy Markowski, 18-10 in the NBA this year. He's up 15 units, and we've only been playing for two weeks. These guys are incredible. That's the wager pass. $9.99 a month gets you plays from seven handicappers every single day. It's the craziest deal in sports betting. And the fantasy pass... Tweet storms, live chats, rest of season projections, schedule grids, streaming charts, 8-cat, 9-cat leaderboards, pickups, drops, buy lows, sell highs, all of this stuff is in the Fantasy Pass for $4.99 a month, and the DFS Pass, well... Get your DFS delivery. Daily article breaking down every game with favorite picks from the different pricing tiers, as well as Discord live chats leading up to lineup lock. Check them out hoop ball.com. Get your subscription today and then hit me up for a Discord code so you can get in and chat with the pros that way. Big thank you, as always, to mybookie.ag before we turn our attention to to the card tonight. I want to give a shout out to our guys over there. Please do let me know when you've signed up. We actually got word from our buddies over at MyBookie that like multiple dozens of you are signing up, but I've only heard from like four of you that did it. So please toss me a line. A lot of stuff going on on Twitter these days. So if I miss it on Twitter, send an email, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com that just says, Dan, checking in about the MyBookie prize or something like that. and, And I'll probably get back to you on that one. Or you can tweet at me. I might see it. I probably see it. Sometimes I see it at Dan Vespers on Twitter. The promo code is hoopball. Mybookie.ag is the website. The promo code is hoopball. Oh, and I got credited with my Survivor League win. It just took him a couple days to uh, to run the numbers. I won $115. I know that's not a uh, life-changing amount of money, but that's pretty good considering the entry fee was zero. All I had to do was have an account and have made a deposit at any point in the history of my MyBookie account, which of course I did because I'm betting every day. Uh, and I was able to get into the free contest. I made it. Thank you to all of you guys who helped me get through the year because I don't know anything about football. And I won $115. bucks. i am buying a video game. <laughs> MyBookie.ag, the website. Promo code HoopBall. Sign up today. All right. Let's talk about tonight. Let's talk about tonight, Thursday, five-game slate. This is one where we can do all the betting stuff, and then we'll peel back and we'll do all the fantasy stuff right after that. Phillies in Brooklyn, Knicks, or uh, excuse me, Sixers favored on the road by two points. That number's actually on its way down, interestingly. Brooklyn Nets, without Kevin Durant for the rest of the week, beat Utah a couple days ago. Was that Tuesday? Monday or Tuesday, I forget which day. There's an old theory in basketball called the injured star theory. We've talked about that on this podcast before. That states that when a superstar goes down on a team, it creates this kind of double or triple whammy effect where the other team that was all hyped up to play the superstar realizes he's not there anymore. Kind of let their guard down. The game plan that they had built for that superstar, they had to tear it up. And it's just screw it mode. So that's a negative for the opposing team. For the team that lost the superstar, there is a galvanizing effect of everyone else on the team saying, oh, we got to pick it up. We got to pick it up for the guy that's out. He's only out for a couple of days. Let's pick it up for him. Happens all the time. And then the line in these games, on a betting standpoint, overshifts because take a super, I don't know, Kevin Durant, take a superstar, line moved like four or five points, and then people bet into it, and it moves another point or two. So they, they shift it extra because they know money is going to come in on the opposite side, and they have to create kind of an artificial bubble of value on the team that just lost the superstar. That team was probably being kind of heavily bet to begin with, so sometimes that creates a little bit of a negative on that. But now you're talking about a bunch of factors all at once. Galvanizing, line movement, other team letdown game plan, and you saw that with Utah. They just came in and they weren't ready at all. Brooklyn's still good, even without Kevin Durant. But the other side of this is called the after-injured star theory, where the team that played extra hard for one game or two games, depending on how it rolls out, runs out of gas. Because no one in the NBA can go 100% throughout a long, trying, regular season. It just doesn't happen. The question is, does that happen in Game 2 or Game 3 when a superstar is out and that's what we're looking at here. So I have a lean to Philadelphia. I think they had one eye on this ball game as they sort of cruise controlled their way past Washington in a high scoring affair yesterday. Uh, I think they'll be locked in. I think Brooklyn has a little bit of a letdown now in game two without KD. And so, even though it's a kind of a funky line, lean to Philadelphia. Cleveland at Memphis. Grizzlies favored by four. Cavs have looked bad. They've looked unable to score. But you know what? At this point, I don't know what the hell we get out of the Memphis Grizzlies. They've had a couple of days off since a back-to-back with the Lakers, a rematch set where they lost both. And just really sluggish, ugly basketball games. This could be another one of those. You're getting to a spot now where... I mean this might be the lowest total we've seen of any game this year at 209. I don't know. Do you go do you go under and just say first team to 95 wins? Yuck. Nasty looking basketball game. But Memphis is pretty well rested. So maybe there's that element they can get running even though there's kind of a letdown after the back-to-back with the Lakers. They see this I'm sure as an opportunity to maybe catch a win, which they need all of them that they can get while Jai's out. Slightly into to the Grizzlies. Slight, slight. Cannot read that team. Denver, three-point home favorites to the Dallas Mavericks. Denver hasn't really been taking the season seriously at all so far, but they should outclass Dallas in this game. And I know Luka looked better in his last one, but the Mavs have been all over the map this year, and even if he plays well, I don't know that he has the assistance he needs to get past a good team and one that kind of knows each other, like the Nuggets do. So slight lean to the Nuggets as the... Very short favorite. Total of 223 and a half. I think you have to lean over with Denver because they ain't guarding anybody right now. Minnesota's in Portland. Blazers favored by 10. They got no business laying double digits to anyone right now. They're, They're fine. Like, they're not a horrible basketball team, but they're not defending anybody. And Minnesota looked pretty good in their last game in Denver. I don't want to say good, good, but they were competitive. They were scoring. They were making plays. And if they score, they'll stay within 10. Lean to Minnesota slight lean to the over, but that's a lot of points. 233 is a big number. And the Spurs are in LA. This line opened at nine and it's down to five and a half now. I haven't seen anything on LeBron or AD actually sitting out the ball game. The uh, I know LeBron is questionable with a tweaked left ankle. Perhaps he rests this one just for the hell of it. If LeBron sits this thing out, uh, I know Anthony Davis is very good, and Dennis Schroeder will end up doing a lot, but LeBron is LeBron. He, he like, there's injured star theory, and then there's LeBron, who, he's the motor. He's the motor of that team. He's, he's their everything. Anthony Davis is their everything defensively, but the whole offense revolves around LeBron James. This is also, by the way, for the Lakers, their first game back home off a four-game road trip, which tends to be a sluggish performance, especially when it's a good road trip. Lakers went 4-0. and oh. Spurs just beat the Clippers. They're playing the Lakers now for the third time in their last five games. I like the Spurs a lot when they were catching nine. This is pretty weird at five and a half. Probably go small on the Spurs with a very short number or even middle it. I mean, that's pretty rare to get a a three-and-a-half-point middle without any breaking news. Or wait, if LeBron gets scratched, that line probably drops further, and then you kind of have to middle it at that point, don't you? How could you not? How could you not? From a fantasy standpoint coming up tonight, nothing really on the Philly side. Not a whole lot with Brooklyn. They moved some bodies around. Jared Allen was already the, the center to own, but if he's starting, he becomes... A, a juggernaut. They moved Joe Harris to the bench. Does that break him? I guess that's something to watch for in Brooklyn. Cleveland at Memphis. Brandon Clark, you know, this is a frustrating game to break down from a fantasy standpoint. We're watching to see what Brandon Clark's doing. He's been trending up, which is good, and I think that's all you really can ask for. DeAnthony Melton, that's kind of exciting. Interested to see what he does in his second game back off the COVID list. For Cleveland, you know, they they just need someone back that can score a little bit. They are not fun to watch right now. Dallas at Denver. Michael Porter Jr., I believe, is back for this ballgame, so that's something. With Dallas, you're watching to see if Willie Cauley-Stein gets another start at center. I would guess he does against Nikola Jokic. Jokic would just run over any of the other Dallas centers, but you never know. Rick Carlisle, he's such a mix-and-match kind of guy. Tim Hardaway Jr. came off the bench, but had his best ballgame of the year in their last one, so maybe they just stick with it and ride it until it breaks. That's probably about it. Jamichael Green, you can keep one eye on him, see what his minutes look like as that team gets healthy. Minnesota at Portland. The Yusuf Nurkic situation is obviously the big thing everyone's watching here. His minutes starting to trend up in that last ballgame. We'll see if that continues today, and if it does... The by-low window is probably then slamming shut. On the Minnesota side, D'Angelo Russell finally had a good ball game. Malik Beasley's been uh, pretty reliable so far this year for the Timberwolves. Ricky Rubio's been awful. I think he's droppable. I really do. Maybe he wakes up in one of these games, and if he does, great. But he has not, certainly not been startable to this point. And uh, more than anything, he's been just pretty useless. He's not even seeing the right—he's not even seeing minutes— at the moment, they had a good game out of Juancho Hernan Gomez, but we know his limitations. And they got a good game out of Jared Vanderbilt, who uh, looked really interesting on the defensive side of the ball. But my hope is that we just hear something about Cat soon. Spurs and Lakers. Yeah, not much there, unless LeBron sits, in which case you probably just put every dime you have on Dennis Schroeder to go nuts. In fact, maybe you just do it right now <laughs> and hope that LeBron gets scratched. That's a saucy play. Don't actually do that. Spurs, relatively predictable right now. And somehow Rudy Gay continues to be a useful fantasy player this year. Love me those old dudes. Rudy Gay just outside the top 120. But you put his percentages back where they belong, and he's a startable nine-cat guy. Holy hell, yeah. That's happened this year. By the way, before we let you go... Reminder to hit me up if you want to be a part of our DFS team. I know that was something we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Hit me up if you are signed up for my bookie with a new account. And, and, not to be forgotten, if you love me, this is my my plea, please do subscribe and drop a five-star review on the podcast. It would mean the absolute world to me. This is the time of year where... Those of you that sort of found us and then enjoyed it are sticking with, and so I, I do ask you, as a friend, as a host, please drop a five-star review on the pod. Tomorrow, we can review. That's the Friday show. That's always a fun one. Anyway, thank you again, everybody, for listening. I, it, it's, it's fantastic. We're having a blast. Season is rolling. The old men are crushing it. and uh, let's just uh, keep putting it in the, in the wind column. Hoopdashball.com, Hoopball Fantasy, at Dan Vespers, all that good stuff. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoopball presentation.